Eight minutes it is before 8 p.m. It's the headline segment here on Metro FM Talk. Joined on the line tonight uh, to talk about uh, yeah the latest coming out of uh, uh, this breakthrough in a uh, historic peace agreement signed between uh, Ethiopian and Tigray forces, bringing an end uh, to a two-year conflict that has claimed hundreds uh, of and thou- hundreds of thousands of lives, I should rather say. And these talks. Uh, uh, happening here in South Africa, uh, led by former Nigerian President Olusogon Obasanjo. To tell us a bit more about these talks and, of course, uh, the role of South Africa in brokering them, joined on the line by Director General out of the Department of International Relations and Cooperation, Zane Dango. Zane, good evening. Welcome. Uh, good evening, everyone. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Good to be, good, good to be on the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Always a pleasure uh, chatting to you, Zane. And uh, let's maybe just talk uh, quickly about, uh, before we get into the substance of the peace agreement arrived at between the erstwhile warring parties, um, South Africa's role in brokering uh, this peace, and we certainly hope it's an enduring peace, um, and in some of the preparatory work uh, to, one, prepare the ground here in South Africa for these discussions to happen here. Um, what was the role of Durko? What is it that you guys did? Uh, because I guess we heard sometime last week that these discussions are happening here on South African soil, but some, some of us might not be familiar with what might have been happening behind the scenes. Sure. Thank you, Ayabang. Perhaps the first thing to say is that, um, you know, South Africa, firstly, when the panel was constituted, um, the commissioner of the AU, Mr. Faki, wrote a letter asking us to nominate somebody to serve on that panel. Um, and then we, you know, um, from South Africa, we then proposed our former deputy president, mm. um, 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 to serve on the panel. So South Africa had a um, a role on the panel itself. And we thought initially that that would be the role where we could support our former deputy president to play that role. Um, we were then subsequently asked um, to also be the host for the meeting. Um, you know, various um, locations we looked at previously, I understand, including Djibouti, Kenya, and other places. Um, but ultimately, the parties to the talks, both the government of Ethiopia and the TPLF, um, asked South Africa to, to host, um, which meant that we also then had to work extensively with the African Union just to understand the context in which the talks will take place. Um, you know, aside from just dealing with the very specific logistics about organizing such a big event, the security, it also meant getting into what are some of the content areas so that we could, on one hand, support all three panelists, but also particularly, you know, Pumzile um, Mlambo-Mukhav and her role that she was playing on the panel. Mm. Um, so South Africa's role was sort of dual. You know, as a host, um, you you don't really interfere with the work of the panel, but sure. you also help you also help guide um, the panelists um, when 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 sticky issues emerge. And given South Africa and Derko's role in negotiations and also just in the world of uh, diplomacy, that was actually um, very useful. Also, then liaising with the observers, including um, the the UN as an observer, IGAD as an observer. Mm. Um, and also the U.S. Um, you know, we, so these are the kind of behind-the-scenes, um, but also ever-present role that we played for close to 13 days. Mm. Now, now I think many of our listeners, because we have spoken about this at length in the past, but maybe just to re-emphasize, 
um, that um, you know this is a conflict that has its own very peculiar history. Um, for all intents and purposes, these are forces that at some stage were unified uh, after 1991 um, in a coalition of sorts, uh, which uh, seems to have burst at the seams over the last few years or so. Um, and uh, certainly a welcome development that they've been able to find one another. Zane, talk to us about, I guess, the, the nature of the agreement here that has been arrived at. I mean, there's been a few reports um, around, you know, Tigray would fall under Ethiopia. Um, there would be a federal authority that would subsume all of the sort of um, claims and the contentions um, around a secession by Tigray and so on. And then, of course, uh, the issue of um, uh, disengagement or disarmament of some of the armed forces of uh, the TPLF. Um, what does the agreement say about those issues? So, well, going to the sort of the elements of the agreement now, but just to emphasize that this has actually been the deadliest war over the last two years. Mm. You know, often in the media one sees the Ukraine-Russia issue, but this has been the deadliest. Over 600,000 people have been killed um, through through the use of force, but also through, um, you know, war-related um, famine and humanitarian issues. So it is a big issue. It is a big issue that there is a cessation of hostilities. Um, and, you know, as as most of the panelists said yesterday, um, it, it, it demonstrated that with dialogue um, and, and with political commitment, peace can be built. So on the issues that you, you raise, perhaps the most important issue is in the preamble of this, of this cessation of hostilities agreement, where a few things are affirmed and resolved. Perhaps the most important one is that there was a, an affirmation by both parties that the use of force did not resolve the problem that gave rise to the war and the conflict in the first instance, mm. and that they then committed themselves to engaging in political dialogue to resolve the differences. Um, and that's important because we've always been saying that, you know, the use of force only delays the resolution of a problem. It actually never, ever um, resolves any problems. Um, in discussions with a whole lot of experts on this particular issue that works in areas of the Great Lakes and the war, there's not a single armed conflict that's been stopped through the use of arms. And it mm. sounds ludicrous, doesn't it? <laughs> um, armed conflicts. So this is why we've prefaced the, 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 the idea of um, diplomacy and negotiations to resolve these issues. And this is what has been um, resolved yesterday. On, on the issue of territorial integrity, perhaps that's the most important one, mm. you know, depending on how you look at it. They both parties agreed on the territorial integrity of Ethiopia, which means that the borders of Ethiopia are respected by both parties. So explicitly, the TPLF stated they have no interest in seceding from Ethiopia, mm. and they respected the territorial integrity. That, that also means that in the ensuing negotiations, the political dialogue moving forward, now that you are silencing the guns, mm. it's about reintegrating the Tigrayan region into into, into the into Ethiopia, the Just restoration of Serb. Just yeah? a quick one, DJ, on that one, because, I mean, I'm quite interested in the Eritrean position on that. Um, I would be quite keen. I mean, TPLF and the Eritreans have you know, been longstanding uh, adversaries on territorial questions. 
border disputes and so on. And uh, I'm quite interested in that particular agreement on the territorial integrity of Ethiopia, what implication that might have for Eritrean claims of some of the disputed land around you know, the Eritrean and Ethiopian border. Well, there's two elements to that. It means that if there's disputed land between the government of Ethiopia, it's not between Tigray and Eritrea anymore, it's yes. between the government of Ethiopia and Ethiopian land, which may be in dispute with Eritrea, there will have to be negotiations and dialogue between the government of Ethiopia and Eritrea. Mm. Um, and again, you know, the, the kind of conflict that was there a few years ago would have to be minimized and, and done away with an engagement. It's no longer the Eritrea engaging um, with Tigray, with the Tigrayan region, with the TPLF. What this agreement is underscoring is that it's a unified Federal Democratic Republic of Ethiopia. Mm. And if you go through the articles of the agreement, you'll find that even the security assurances that are given, so you might not see Eritrea in the agreement, but you'll find that the security assurances provides for the federal government mm. to provide security for all Ethiopians. Um, and it will also ensure that no Ethiopians are subjected to armed attacks mm. from entities from outside of their territory. So it means that any attack on any Ethiopians, including the Tigrayans, would be one that the government of Ethiopia will have to take responsibility mm. for dealing with. Mm. So it's a very important um, you know, article in that sense because yeah. it reaffirms that the protection of even the Tigrayans are now going to be done by the federal, um, federal government. The other element, of course, after any conflict of this kind is what transitional process do you provide for that might, you know, give an uh, opportunity to air what might have happened during this moment? Um, I mean, we see something similar in Latin America in, um, in the case of the peace agreement being ironed out in Colombia between, you know, the government there and some of the other groupings. Uh, and they've drawn on our experience here in South Africa in a truth, truth commission to try and iron mm. some of these things out. Has the agreement in, to any degree spoken about that, about now that we've come to an agreement, how do we deal with some of the things that in very, very recent memory have happened? Um, and how do we move beyond those? So this agreement had the objective of getting a permanent cessation of hostilities in place, which meant that from midnight um, today, um, we, the, 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 the duty on both parties to ensure from their sides the, the guns are silenced. Um, but that then also lays the basis for detailed political dialogue. Mm. right? And the political dialogue is to ensure that some of the driving and root causes of the, of, of the conflict are discussed and agreed to politically, but they also lay the basis for this in the, in the agreement. So the agreement was never meant to deal holistically with the political drivers of the conflict. And, and, and like most um, permanent cessation of hostilities, it actually just lays the basis for a, a political dialogue process. The safeguards that are built into the agreement is on the you know disarmament and demobilization and reintegration components, where there's an agreement that the commanders of the different forces will meet you know within the next five days to decide on how they're going to ensure that the particular the heavy weapons are quarantined and how that will be, um, you know, how, how you know, the 
the, the, the panel and other international players will ensure that both parties stick to the agreements. Mm. Um, but so the, these elements of silencing the guns and ensuring that the weaponry is dealt with uh, is important in the first 30 days. But then the discussions um, around the political resolution then takes place. Um, and this yeah. is what this agreement has done. It's laid the basis for a political discussion. Mm. Um, and importantly, I mean, the preambular part for me is still the most important one. Because sure. Both parties agreed that the use of force has not worked and will not work. Mm. The last one, DG, on my end, the implications of this agreement on the unfolding humanitarian crisis that we see uh, in many of the conflict-torn parts of um, uh, that uh, neck of the woods in the Horn of Africa. What, what will this mean for many of the children unable to go to school and in some cases unable to get food to meet their nutritional requirements uh, for the last nearly 24 months? And, and that's an important part. you know. So it does mean that the restoration of services to Tigray is part of the agreement. It's not detailed in the agreement, but it does talk about the mm. restoration of service in banking, access to to basic services, the opening of schools, the opening of humanitarian corridors, um, access to food. I mean, when we say 600,000, um, a large number of these 600,000 people were women and children, and most of them died, not only you know through bullets and mortar, um, but also because of, uh, of starvation. Um, uh, and, and this is why the humanitarian uh, element of this agreement is as important as silencing the guns. Mm. So the restoration of services agreement and also ensuring that the federal government plays its role and is allowed to play its role, um, you know, um, just ensures that the people of Tigray and other parts of, of, of Ethiopia um, now can focus on rebuilding schools, hospitals, um, you know, um, you know, rebuilding the economy, um, rebuilding the supply chains, um, and and that's important. Uh, and, and the agreement actually makes specific, um, you know, reference to this. DG, we're gonna have to leave it here for tonight. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much uh, for taking Thank time out to speak to us. Thank you, Ayabonga. Good night. Zain Dango there, the Director General out at the Department of International Relations and Cooperation, uh, speaking to us about uh, yeah the diplomatic um, you know breakthrough earlier on today. Um, or was it yesterday? Uh, where the two parties, TPLF and the Federal Forces, as represented by security advisors on either side, finding one another in what we certainly hope will be an enduring peace agreement that will silence the guns in the horn of our continent.